0: The Lord be with you and, and with, with your spirit. spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen, and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and from the nether world where he was in torment, He raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child. Remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, Oh no, Father Abraham, But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to
1: Unlike Lake Wobegon, it has not been a quiet week in our parish. Um, the week, as you know, began last Sunday with Father Dennis introducing himself and uh, introducing us as well to a new word which most of us have never heard before. You remember? "numpty," And um, he explained that a numpty is someone who is silly or goofy or missing the mark or something like that. And um, we, of course, were delighted by the new word, but even more delighted by his accent and even more delighted just by him. So much so that that night, Sunday night, when we had our first gathering here in the church as part of our mission, we had well over 100 people in church, probably uh, closer to 125 or 150, who knows exactly, we weren't counting, but a lot and it was wonderful and the music was beautiful and then the next night we had about the same number of people come and the next night and the next night and the next night it was all just wonderful And each night he gave a beautiful reflection following beautiful music and we prayed together and everybody got warmer and warmer and the bonds among us grew deeper and deeper and, and that's only part of what was going on during the week in the morning he had morning mass and kind of doubled our numbers of coming the people coming to morning mass from 15 or so to 25, 30 on you know, some days even. And then at noon, he had benediction and adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. And to kind of everyone's surprise, we had about 20 people there for that every day through the week. And then on top of that, took him around to visit some of our homebound people. And he would just delight them. He'd come in and and he would start telling his stories, you know, the one about... Having committed adultery twice by the time he was six, and um, the our beautiful little ladies would give him a big hug and give him a kiss, and I'm saying, how does he get the kiss? <laughs> Me? Anyway, he had a way with people of all ages and even on top of that on Tuesday he visited the fourth grade up at Cataldo and he had all those kids in the palm of his hand as he talked about the story of the prodigal son with them and then on Thursday he did the mass up there with all the kids in the whole school and once again he had them in the palm of his hand he began by saying I know I sound like Shrek (laughs) but um, which they got a laugh there too anyway and finally to recap Friday night we had that great dinner together my god the dessert table you know it was like so much there It was like oh my god what am I gonna eat for dessert (laughs) and I ate too much and then after everything was over there was one half of a cream puff left I got it. Anyway. So what turned out to be just sort of a joke the first day, that numpty word, actually became kind of the leitmotif of the whole week, the whole mission week. It came up over and over again. And uh, he, uh, somewhere along the line he told me as we were driving one place or another, he says, well, I think the word probably is a derivative of an old English word that nobody uses anymore. And I'm going, what would that be? Numskull. And I said, I still use (laughs) numskull. We use it around here. Anyway, but that numpty word, as he told us the last night, was really key to, to what he was talking about. He summed the whole thing up by saying, remember, 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 we're all numpties. We're all knuckleheads, we're all numbskulls before God, but God loves us anyway in his mercy, his compassion, his fatherly, motherly care for us, numpties though we may be, God's mercy and love is always here for us. Wonderful, so touching, beautiful, put so simply this foundational message of all of Christianity numpties though we may be God loves us anyway. And then the church gives us on Sunday morning a great big juicy parable which seems to pull the rug out from under what Father Dennis was teaching us. Because all of a sudden, after all those beautiful and gentle teachings about mercy and compassion and how loving God is with us, even in our failures and our sins, we get this story about heaven and hell. You know, there's poor old... Lazarus who's having his sores licked by the dogs, he dies and he goes to heaven and he rests in the bosom of Father Abraham, a place maker, a place in place of God, sort of an image of God the Father. And the rich guy who paid no attention, he ends up in the burning fires of hell and the underworld. And and there's two ways you can go with that. You know, with on one hand, you can say, wow, this is a story about hell, and it really is, and we better behave in this life. Or you're going to go burn down there for all eternity, and there's no hope once you get there. And we end up, oh, my God, we've got fire and brimstone after all or you can go the other way and say this is a story about being just in this life you know social justice matters how we treat one another our society needs to fix itself we have to have a society world in this world now here and now not just in heaven where people are treated with dignity and care where we care for the poor among us and if we don't well we're going to hell anyway Oh fire and brimstone yet again and it feels like in this story that God is pretty unmerciful to that rich guy burning in the fires of Gehenna you know there he is pleading for God, uh, Father Abraham to send old Lazarus back to him with just even a drop of water to wet his parched tongue and Father Abraham taking God's place said, no, cannot do. And say, well why? Because there's a chasm, a huge massive chasm between here and there that nobody can pass over. And it's that chasm that's the problem. No matter how you interpret the story, the chasm doesn't go away. There's a chasm across the cosmos on one side, those who have gone to hell, the sinners, the bad people, the people like that rich man, and on the other side the people who are resting in the bosom of Abraham and you can't go from one side to the other no matter how much you try, how much you want it. Where's God's mercy in all of this? Why? Such a big chasm. And it feels like the story, this parable that Jesus tells is undercutting the numpty message of Father Dennis you know where is God's mercy for all of us numpties if they really can if we really can be cast into everlasting punishment and hell and fire and brimstone so is God merciful and compassionate and loving or not that darn chasm just feels like it's pulling the rug out from under our mission week of mercy. Or is it? Maybe, maybe there's a way that this story actually underlines Father Dennis's foundational message about God's mercy for us numpties Maybe there's a way that this story actually supports that and teaches that. Let's take a look at that guy. Not Lazarus, he's okay. But the rich guy. You know, he's suffering for all eternity in the fires of hell. And he pleads to God, Oh God, oh Father Abraham, you know, send Lazarus down to me. And it's not like, oh, God, I'm a terrible person. I'm so sorry for what I did. I'm so sorry for the way I treated poor Lazarus. Send Lazarus to me so that I can embrace him and ask for forgiveness for my callousness, my hard-heartedness, my inability to feel for him and his need. I'm so sorry for what I did. There's none of that. It's almost like he's ordering Abraham to send that servant, that slave, that dog Lazarus down to him with water. Hey, Lazarus get down here, right now. And then it almost sounds like maybe he's got a little bit of compassion when that request is refused. Well at least go see my brothers. Tell them what's going to happen. But it's not out of forgiveness or mercy or compassion. He just wants his brothers to not end up where he's end up. There's no forgiveness in his heart. There's no compassion for Lazarus. He never says, Lazarus, I'm sorry. He never says, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry I've been a jerk. God, I'm sorry I've been a rich, old, cold-hearted, ungenerous, self-preoccupied, self-presumptuous, rich guy. Never says, I'm sorry. So what's the chasm separating that rich man from Lazarus? Is it something God has created? Is it something God enforces like a great wall keeping the bad people out of heaven? Or is it the arrogance and the cold heartedness and the self- preoccupation and the self-feeding of this rich man, his lack of compassion which continues even into hell that is keeping him from the breast of Abraham and the resting place of Lazarus. Well there's a pretty clear sign that it is that that is the chasm It's not some geological feature which is scratched across the cosmos. It's in his heart. It's in his cold heart. That's what keeps him locked into his personal hell. That's the chasm. And all he needs to do to receive God's mercy to be a recipient of God's grace, of God's love, of God's compassion, is to look at Lazarus and open his eyes to that man and see him as a human being and see him as someone he has maltreated and say, I am sorry. What a numpty I have been. And the chasm disappears. And God's mercy showers upon him, like everyone else. Pope Francis has been trying to pound this simple message into our Christian heads for as long as he's been Pope. He keeps talking about the great sin of our times being that the poor, the broken, the broken-hearted, the needy, the people who live on the margins, the prisoners, the weak broken in any fashion, physically, mentally, economically, socially, spiritually, are invisible to our eyes. He says, open your eyes. Open your hearts. I know you're all thinking, I'm going to say, open your wallets, but I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. And Francis is right. Yes, we're numpties, but we're numpties who say we're sorry. We're numpties who seek to be compassionate as God has been compassionate to us. We're numpties who at least are trying to be merciful as God has been merciful to us. And it is that that heals the great scar, the great chasm, the great divide that keeps us from God. Open our eyes. Open our hearts. Open our spirits to the great mercy of God. And we don't have to worry about hell.